For the time we shared this morning, I want to lift the thought, no longer bound. No longer bound. The Apostle Paul, in his primary purpose and mission in writing to the Christians who gathered in and around Rome, is to bring clarity of the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the born-again believer. For as we've been taught here at Greater Bellwood, and we are continually lifting up the teaching that we are in the process of being saved, that at the moment one receives the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, it is at that moment or somewhere thereabout that you are quickened with the power of the Holy Spirit. That because the Holy Spirit dwells in you and is quickened within in our flesh, we begin or we become part of the process that is called justification. And from the moment of salvation, receiving Jesus Christ into your heart, we begin the lifelong process of sanctification. That through the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are made more like Jesus Christ. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the harness that, that guides us and should lead us, that not only empowers us to do things in the name of God, but the Holy Spirit also restrains us so that we would act more like God, even in our flesh. These persons who gather at Rome are wrestling with the same issue that any blood-bought believer wrestles with at any point on your Christian journey. That once you are saved and born again, it brings the question, well, what happens to my past? And not only what happens to my past, but what happens to the foolish stuff that I do after I've been born again? And what happens to the acts of the flesh in which I sometimes have an issue with constraining and controlling even after I know I've been born again? That Paul opens up this particular case in Romans chapter 8 by letting us know there is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Jesus Christ. What Paul says simply is that when you've been born again, you have not only been forgiven for your past sins, you are forgiven for the sins you're going to commit while you are saved because like I tell folks, you know, I'm a part of that crew that we, we do all our sinning in church, you know. You know, I've done all my sinning since I've been saved. And Paul says, we who are truly born again, we are forgiven for our past sins, we are forgiven for our present sins, and we are also forgiven for our future sins. Because Christ, through God, knows that we were born to be in his image and likeness, but we are at constant war with our fleshly desires. Now that does not give us 
an excuse to sin, but it ought to give us a reasoning not to do it and not to do it as much. <laughs> right? You know. Paul says, do I continue to sin just because grace is there? God forbid that I decide to weaken God's grace or cheapen God's grace by using it when he has already empowered me to overcome whatever sin or temptation that I face. Paul says you are no longer bound when you are born again believer. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. One thing that the enemy does is try to shame us with our sin. Well, the enemy does because the enemy realizes that we are filled with the Holy Ghost. The enemy wants to make us bound and constrained to say, hey, you're not good enough to be saved. And what Satan does, because he knows he cannot have us, he tries to strip the joy of our salvation away from us. But Paul says that when you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. You cannot be tried again for what Jesus has already taken care of on Calvary's cross. And because Jesus has already taken care of it and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you, you don't need to be bound by the shame of your past. Whether your past is 20 years ago whether your past was yesterday or whether your past is today, Paul says through Jesus there is no condemnation for those who have been born again. But because there is no condemnation, there is a way that the born again believer must walk out this Christian life. That I've come to tell you, it's easy to accept Jesus, but it's a struggle to walk like him. <laughs> that it's easy to accept Jesus and be born again, but it is a daunting task to be able to walk like him. Because we have a body, we have a mind, we have a soul, a spirit that has been wired because of the sin of Adam in the Garden of Gethsemane to do everything that's opposite to what God commands. That from the moment we are saved, we begin a civil war. We begin a civil war not with external factors but internal factors because once you've truly been born again, you begin the moment-by-moment moment and day-by-day day process of wrestling with yourself. Because it's certain stuff that Adrian likes to do. <laughs> and where I put Adrian, you put your name in there. How about that, right? <laughs> you know, you know, you know it, it'd be one thing, you know, Reverend Hill, if sin wasn't fun, right? But you know, sin be fun sometimes. And <laughs> you know, doing what you want to do, you usually enjoy it. 
and you enjoy it to the utmost. But Paul says that that civil war is the carnal mind wrestling against the spiritual mind. And Paul lets us know that when you allow yourself to become entrapped in the things of the flesh, it'll wear you out. You will enjoy it while you're in it. But once the Holy Spirit convicts you, that thing that you used to do with so much ease, it'll start to wear you down. And I've come to report today, you're in a good place when your worldly desires begin to wear you down. Help me, Holy Ghost. You, you are in a good place when what you used to find so much joy in begins to become such a burden for you to do. Because here it is, the enemy is never going to give up its desires without a fight. Paul says, in verse number, verse number 9, verse number 8, he says, they that are in the flesh, they cannot please God. That when you reach that moment of what you used to do is becoming a burden for you, that's God through the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. Because before you really love God the way that you do now, you were just worried about pleasing yourself. But what the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer comes to let us know that even in the midst of our wrongdoing and our unrighteousness, it makes us aware, hey, Adrian, what you just did didn't make God happy. Y'all hear me today? And when you are at that place of your fleshly desires, and let me let, me, let, me let us in on this, Fleshly desires go far beyond smoking, drinking, and having sex. Right? You know, we, we got to get out of this. We got to get into those, you know, jealousy and envy and strife. All those things that, that Paul lays out in Galatians chapter 5. Any of those works of the flesh are those things that, you know, you know we kind of got folks thinking, that sin is limited to drinking, smoking, and having premarital sex. Now that is sin, right? Right? But anything that you do outside of the will of God, when you've truly been born again, it'll make you feel so low. And sometimes feeling so low that God can't even save you in it. But Paul tells us that anywhere the Spirit of the Lord dwells, there is life. That I'm no longer bound as a believer because God has taken care of my past sins. He's taken care of my present sins. And God is even taking care of those things that I haven't even thought about doing. Right, you know. You know, and he's already forgiven me for the things that I'm thinking about doing that I know I ain't supposed to do, right? 
Paul says, wherever the flesh abides, it's at war. He uses this word, enmity. That is at war with the things of God. And those things that don't please God, we, we, we should not be bound by them because sin and displeasing God will always cost us more than we're willing to pay. Right? Paul says the reason why it causes us more than what we're willing to pay is because we think sin and doing the things of the flesh gives us instant gratification and satisfaction. But Paul says the price of choosing not to please God and operating in the flesh, there is only one price for it, and that is eternal damnation and death. For he tells us the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. That Paul says... When you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you give up your instant satisfaction and your temporal pleasure to please God because you realize that without pleasing God, death is the only answer. Eternal death, eternal damnation. He says in verse number 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead, that you will get your temporary satisfaction, verse number 10, but it leads to a road of eternal death. And not only does it lead to a road of eternal death, but you forfeit the peace that comes through God's Holy Spirit. I've, I've, I've come to understand that the things that I want never compare to what God has already planned for my life. And what God has already planned for my life, I have to ask myself the question, and am, I, am I willing to be bound by what I can see? Or am I willing to be a partaker in what God has destined for my life through the power of the Holy Spirit? Here it is. And Paul says that the only way that we can be no longer bound by the sins of the flesh is that we have to lay ourselves on the altar as a sacrifice. That the only way that you can be free and have the joy that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God brings, Paul uses uh, uh, this particular word. He uses this particular uh, phrase in verse number 13. He says, for if we live after the flesh, we shall die. 
But if we live through the Spirit, there's a requirement on, the ha on behalf of the participant. That Paul says in order to live by the Spirit, you must mortify the deeds of the flesh. That Paul in Romans chapter 8 speaks directly to the Jewish philosophers who felt that salvation could only be obtained by the sacrifice of an animal as displayed in the Old Testament. That in the Old Testament, the only way one was to be forgiven of sin and guaranteed to walk in newness of life is every year at the Day of Atonement, they would have to bring a sacrificial offering for the sins they had committed all year long. Help me, Holy Ghost. And what kind of mess we would be in today if before you came to church on Sunday mornings, you had to stop by the marketplace with your notepad of everything you've done throughout the week and you had to come into this sanctuary and offer the appropriate sacrifice for everything that you did that week. It'll be a hot mess, <laughs> right? Because, you know, everybody will be standing outside looking at what kind of animal you done brought and going to that little quick reference and say, oh, she did that this week? Now, y'all know how we do. Amen. It'll be a hot mess if we had to come every week. And let alone what the Jews had to do, they had to carry around their sins for a whole year. Because sin could only be forgiven on one day, which was the Day of Atonement. And God forbid you forget something that you did. Right? You know, and somebody be over there counting up your chickens and say, you ain't got enough chickens. <laughs> you know how we do. But Paul says to no longer be bound by your past and walk in the joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul says instead of sacrificing an animal, sacrifice your desires. And I come to tell you, it's hard giving up not only what I want, but what I like. <laughs> you know, if, if God didn't ask me for something that I didn't like, I wouldn't have no problem with it. But that very thing Paul says, we've got to mortify. We have to offer our flesh as a sacrifice unto Jesus Christ. That's why Paul had to write in Romans chapter 12, he says, don't be conformed to this word, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is your reasonable sacrifice, your reasonable service, your reasonable sacrifice. He says, 
The offering that God wants, the best offering that God wants from you as his child is for you to say, God, I'm going to put on the altar what I want to do and give way for your spirit to work through me. Oh, and that's why I thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes you'll get the Holy Spirit will, will shake you up so much that you just be ready to get that thing away. <laughs> because in my own power, I'm going to keep everything I like and I want. In my own power, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. In my own power, it's always going to be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But if you want to know if someone has the Holy Spirit, don't look at how they act when everything is going well. But look how they respond when life and sin puts them between a rock and a hard place. And see, will they give way to what God will do or what they want to do? And, 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 and that's the hardest thing about this Christian walk. It's easy to, to accept Jesus, but it's hard as the dickens to walk like him. It's easy to say, I've got the Holy Spirit, but it's hard as the dickens to be led and ruled by the Holy Spirit, especially when I've been in control all my life. Paul says, mortify the deeds of the flesh. But you've got to do like Abraham. You've got to be willing to put that thing on the altar. And I'm a living witness. If you put it on the altar, the Holy Spirit will give you something in return that will make you ask yourself, now I don't even know why I was fooling around with that in the first place. Y'all don't hear me. Amen. Because because the Holy Spirit doesn't come to take away our joy of living. The Holy Spirit comes alongside and in the believer to help us live out the fullness of our salvation. But he says, if you, if you don't, since Christ is already taking care of it, you need to give it up. And in you giving it up, you open yourself up to a relationship that you thought that that thing of the flesh could only bring you joy. So Paul says, since we've been born again, we have received not the spirit of bondage in verse number 15. He says, we don't, we don't, we don't need the flesh because the flesh keeps us yoked up. The flesh keeps us limited. You get temporary satisfaction. But once the thrill is gone. <laughs> Y'all don't hear me. Amen. That, that he says the flesh keeps us under bondage. But since we now have given up the work of the flesh and given way to the power of the Holy Spirit, he says now it's time to let you know about this relationship. We don't, we don't want to be bound by the flesh because it, it, leads to, it leads to death. But when you give 
your walks over to God's will, Paul says that the Spirit does something in heaven and on earth. That he says in verse number 16, he says that when you give up your wants for God's will through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit in heaven begins to bear witness to God about God's ownership of you. And when the Spirit bears witness to God, God then pronounces and releasing, releases blessings that only God had for his son. Y'all don't hear me. Amen. Paul says, in the flesh, we are enemies of God. But when we operate in the Spirit, we become children of God. And not only are we children, but he doesn't treat us like stepchildren. Y'all don't hear me. And one of, the, one of the, you know, one of the memories I have of my childhood is the pre-grocery store pep talk <laughs> that my mama would give me and my cousins before we went into the store, right? You know, one part of that conversation was, you know, don't go in this store and touch nothing, right. you know. And if you break it, your butt is going to pay for it, right? But then my mama would also tell us when we would leave her present, she would, she would say, now, Adrian, wherever you go, don't you embarrass me. Y'all remember telling your children that? Because where you act up, that's where you're going to get towed up, right? You know, you know, you know, I, I remember those days at Pinehurst, you know, and you know, I was up there cutting the fool and mama had to, had to show me who was in charge. You know, I, I remember those days. You know, that's, that's why, you know, your mama and your parents whoop you so much that as an adult, you'd be so afraid to let them find out about stuff because you... Paul says he, he, he tells us that when we give way to the Holy Spirit, he, he brings us into a new relationship where we are treated like children. And God says, I don't want you going anywhere embarrassing me because my spirit is in you. And every time you act up outside of the spirit, you bring shame to my name. But he says every time you give way to the spirit, in your good times, in your bad times, in your times of frustration, in your times of opposition, anytime you give way to the power of the Holy Spirit, you always know that daddy, God the father, is going to come and see about you. So not to be bound by what you're up against, all you've got to do as a child of God is make sure that you're in right relationship. That if nobody else does what's right, you make sure that you're right with God. 
And when you are right with God, God then releases the blessings here on earth because the Spirit tells God, you've got to go and see about your child. Paul says, since we are children, we, in verse number 17, we, because the Spirit is bearing witness for us. In verse number 17, Paul says that we are heirs. And then he has to correct himself. And he adds something else on it. He says, not only are we heirs, but we are joint heirs. And one would have to ask the question, Paul, why can't we just be heirs? Because Paul realizes under Jewish law, the oldest son got a double portion. That under Jewish law, the oldest son could have brothers or sisters, but whoever was the oldest got double. And so that means if we are only heirs with God, God limits our access and gives everything to Jesus two times more than he gives to everybody else. Y'all follow me? You know, follow me? So, but so Paul says, not only are we heirs, but God loves those who walk by his spirit so much that instead of just giving his son a double portion, he gives everybody who accepts his son the same thing that he gave his son. <laughs> and who wouldn't want to please a God like that? That everything he has given to his son, he says, if you walk by my spirit, I'll give you the same thing. Y'all don't hear me. Because we are heirs and, and joint heirs. But he says, in the midst of us being having access, there's the reality that even in walking by the Spirit, suffering will sometimes come. Don't ever let anybody fool you to think that if you're going through, you must be doing something wrong. Because you can be doing everything right in suffering and heartache still happen. But suffering in the spirit is all about mortifying the flesh. That when God takes us through different things, it's not to punish us, but it's so he can weaken our flesh so that we can become more dependent upon the spirit. I was telling somebody the other day that it just takes a good preacher, one good heartbreak for them to become a good pastor. Right? You know, because, you know, I'm, I'm from this generation where everybody just, you know, everybody want a pastor, right? You know, so, you know, be careful what you ask for. Because <laughs> you can't pastor without people. <laughs> right? And it takes one good preacher a good heartbreak 
to learn how to be a good pastor. And for us as a believer, because sometimes we get so full of our ability that we think we can do it all based on our ability, but sometimes God has to take your ability and throw it to the ground. To show you that with that ability, there will be some things you'll have to go through. But, but I'm glad to report today that my suffering now will never compare to the glory that shall come. And you don't have to be bound by your past because what Jesus has already done. And in not being bound by your past, it requires you and requires us as believers to give up Romans chapter 8, verse number 17, we've got to give up what we want to do. And in giving up what we want to do, we give way for God to work in and through us because the Spirit is bearing witness. And I, I was asking the Lord, Lord, you know, how could I close this little sermon? And how could I, you know, make it, put the bow on it and and sum it all up of, of what the power of the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer and how the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer for us not to be bound by our past. And how the work of the Holy Spirit guarantees us access to everything that, that, that God has granted and will for our lives. And the Lord took me back to that old Ike and Tina Turner movie what's love got to do with it that if you remember in the closing scenes of what's love got to do with it Ike and Tina are in court and uh, Tina tells Ike uh, you can have everything but I want to keep mine y'all watch the movie <laughs> that that, that that uh, Ike, that Tina tells the judge he can have the cars, the clothes, the houses, the planes. All I want is my name. And Ike, looking like a June bug, sitting on the other side, speaks up and says, Your Honor, you know, she can't, she can't have my name. She said, he said, because that's my daddy's name. And he says, my daddy's blood is on that name. And every time we want to act up on this side, and our sins try to pull us back into a world of sin, and we become so bound and shackled uh, because of the weight of sin, Jesus speaks up to the enemy and says, no, Satan, you can't have them. Because my blood is on their name. And I'm glad to report today that because I've been covered in the blood of Jesus, Satan has no power over my life in which I cannot overcome because I've been covered in the blood. And that's what makes the difference in my life. It's not my ability, it's not my degrees, it's not my social status, but the difference maker in my life is the blood that came from Calvary. Of one Friday, he died 
from the sixth to the ninth hour. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. And since he got up, he conquered sin, hell, death, and the grave. And because Jesus is the holder of power to all of those entities, he only asked me one simple task. Just live according to my spirit. That let my spirit guide your life. Let my spirit dictate your thoughts and your actions. Let my spirit be the guiding force for you. And if you allow his spirit to guide you, you'll have a peace that surpasses all understanding. You'll have joy in the midst of sorrow. You will have a bright hope not knowing what tomorrow holds. But don't be bound by the work and the acts of the flesh. The invitation is extended.